Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, dude. The 90s call. With Christine Taylor and David Lasher. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Hey, Dude, The 90s Called. I am one of your co-hosts. I'm Christine, and I'm here with... I'm David. <laughs> Hi, David. Nice to see you. Nice and to hear see you. you. How is life? Uh, we're good. You know, I, we said Hannah's home. She Her, her boyfriend actually is here from okay. Miami. I love that you're whispering, even though this is going to lots sleep- of people. They're still <laughs> sleeping in the other. Oh, <laughs> uh, but he's such a good kid, man. He's like a nice guy, you know. Like I, I'm just so happy that she she uh, is interested in guys that are nice and sweet and respectful, you know, not like yeah. the bad boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Um, and Casey had his prom. He has graduation uh, coming up on. Uh, tomorrow oh my goodness yeah oh my gosh a lot going on Mm -hmm. wow and then we are going to austin at the end of next week yeah atx festival i can't wait so yeah i mean that came up so fast we've been talking about it for a while but i do we even know what we're doing there i know we have a very good guest that we're interviewing there which we will not talk about right now yes we gotta tease uh, that i I almost said (laughs) oh you just did Did, no i did i said okay all right she will be great but so what so what so so they know it's a girl all right it's a female that is absurd when you just said she and then you (laughs) said i just and then you just said i i i almost said her gender (laughs) and then you gave it away again (laughs) I honestly don't tell me a secret because I will try and keep it, but I can't. I just, I, I'll clock that. I will uh, make a note. 
it, it's Mental not notes. yeah not for bad intentions <laughs> but uh i think there's a panel for the iheart uh podcast there and that's where yeah. we we reconnected after a number of years right the hey dude reunion was there. exactly yes exactly um they do such a good job there and it's such a fun city as you know is casey coming uh, no, Casey couldn't get into the orientation that weekend. It was already oh, okay. sold out. So he's going in July. But uh, Nice. Well, I'm bringing Ella as my guest. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just, cool. Not that we were supposed to have guests. She's just free. On that note, which no segue, we just saw in the chat, though, the chat, <laughs> that our guest, Chad Lowe, who we haven't even had a chance to properly talk about before he comes on, is here. So why don't we just invite him in and gush to him well yeah we'll intro him to him to him (laughs) (laughs) okay hello hello what's up charles charles sorry (laughs) charles low charles low is that your real name charles hi hi you guys yes it's charles low for you just uh that's really official you can call me chad (laughs) i've never heard anyone call you other than chad no because you've never been around me when i get in trouble Oh boy! Oh, oh yeah, your mom, <laughs> Charles. <laughs> what's your my, what's your middle name? Davis. But my my daughter actually calls me Charles. My oldest daughter calls me Charles, which is hilarious. Oh, I, I love that. You grew up, or you went to Santa Monica High School with, I mean, not only your bro, but the Sheen Estevez brothers, Sean Penn, Chris, and Robert Downey Jr. And you're obviously still living on the West Side, but what was that like when when you were in high school with all those guys, with those ambitious, talented people? Well, I'm not sure. <laughs> not sure. A lot of them had a lot of ambition back then. <laughs> I'm not. Na- I'm not naming any names, but ooh, um, ooh. <laughs> but um, they didn't get where they are without you know that fire. They must have had it. No, there, there was you know there was always. Um, there definitely was always a love of storytelling and movie making. And I, I believe, you know, like it was imparted into the, the pens by their father, Leo, who was a director and their mother, who was an actress. And obviously the, the Sheen Estevez, uh, team was, uh, family was, you know, had Martin, Martin and, yeah. and Martin would always, you know, regale us with stories of, uh, making apocalypse now. And so we were always obsessed with, you know, we'd always ask him questions about certain scenes. We'd go back and watch, you know, we'd watch a clip from oh, back in those days. You didn't watch a clip. You kind of like put the VCR in. This is the 90s. Well, after. Right. Well, this is even pre 90s here. We're talking. Yeah. But you the just Hearts fast of Darkness. Forward. Did yeah. you ever, I mean, that tells the story of the make. It's almost oh, yeah. That's as, as entertaining as the movie. Yeah. that But that wasn't out yet. We didn't have oh, okay. the access to, to Hearts of Darkness yet. The, uh, the what is uh, Francis's wife's name? I wish I remember her name, but she Ellie. Is it Ellie uh, Coppola who directed that genius documentary? Um, rewind. I was born in Dayton, Ohio, and we moved when I was eight years old from Dayton, Ohio, to Colorado. We spent six months in a town called Montrose, Colorado, and then we ended up moving out to a place called Point Doom. In Malibu, oh, which uh, it sounds, it is fancy now, but it was not back in the seventies when right. we moved there. It was the most inexpensive place for my mother, who was recently divorced from her second husband, uh, to settle with three rambunctious kids and have some space. 
And it was cheaper than moving to a lot of other areas in the Los Angeles uh, kind of county. And um, she had met a man who was a psychiatrist, of course. And uh, so we settled in Point Doom. And I come to find that my neighbor four doors down is a huge Cincinnati Reds fan like I am and was, um, and is also his father is from Dayton, Ohio, and that is the Sheens. So Martin, as it turns out, is from Dayton, Ohio, and Charlie is a baseball player and loves nothing but the Cincinnati Reds, and so we bonded immediately, and that's kind oh, that's of how so we... so cool. And yeah, you've, was, I'm going from Ohio to Malibu, I mean, that must, I mean, that, to, it, on paper, that looks like a great move <laughs> for, for you guys. <laughs> well, you got the mountains for six months too, right? You got, you, yeah. you, you well, got a, <laughs> no. Have you ever, have you ever been to Montrose? <laughs> no, I just I don't, hear Colorado. Oh, you didn't live in Aspen? <laughs> no, it was, no, it was, this, was, this, this was not Vale, Aspen. Denver-ish? Denver-ish? <laughs> Ish, no, it's more like Grand Junction-ish. It's, um. <laughs> It, look, it's a lovely town. I'm not going to disparage uh, Montrose, but it's not Telluride. It's not Aspen. It's right, um, sure. it's a very dusty, high plain, flat uh, kind of uh, farming town, if you a ranching town, if you will. But oh, okay, yeah. So if you go to Telluride, or you, you you usually will fly into Montrose and get out of there as quickly as you. Can. <laughs> That's so mean. I shouldn't but- say that. <laughs> Sorry, right. uh, we love Colorado, but ending up in Malibu for your high school years uh, seems like ideal. It's like a dream. It was. It ended up being that. I did not like it immediately, you know, when I first got there because it was so different. I mean, it was culture shock and it really was culture shock for coming the from this Spicoli's kind of Spicoli's everywhere. Well, and yeah, actually, Spicoli, the, the great role Sean Penn played in uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High <laughs> was based on a guy that we all grew up with. No way. Um, yes, I read this. I read this. Yes. Oh, my goodness. And we always suspected it. You know, when we watched the film, there were just too many um, too many characteristics and mannerisms and and <laughs> sayings and just the draw and the kind of the way, you know, the way he talked. It's like, <laughs> right. like that. We're like, that's Bud. I'm not going to say his last name. Um, but I'll let Sean divulge it if he wants to. But it was – let me just tell you this. I went from Dayton, Ohio, which was in a suburban kind of setting with, you know, the manicured grass and, you know, like it's Ohio, uh, to Malibu in the 70s with everybody looked and acted like Jeff Spicoli. Right. <laughs> right. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, sham scam 
beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Did you all get into acting like at the same time, you and all your, your brother and your friends, or did it happen like one at a time? No, so yeah, so we literally, this little triangle of like we had, we we moved in next to the Sheens who live next to the Pens, all oh on Point gosh. Doom. The which Lowe's, was really, the Sheens, and the Pens in a triangle. <laughs> and it was, you know, I mean, uh, Rob, I, I will, I look, I got to give it up to Rob. He wanted to be an actor kind of from the day he like was born. He was kind of born to be an actor. In Dayton, Ohio, he was doing community theater and public access, you know, kids shows and anything he could, he could get his hands on. So, 
our move was very fortuitous for him to California. And to think that we ended up in this community of people who were in show business, uh, you know, the, and was, I mean, it was just, I don't somehow I've often thought like, how the hell did we end up there? I'm not really sure because it had nothing to do with show business or acting or movie making nothing. It was really, wow. Your mom wasn't like, we're moving to LA so you guys can, no, no, that's am- God, no, no. She amazing she had coincidence an- then or, or oh. fortuitous luck. Yes. Yeah. The meant to be right. Just one of Somehow, those. Yeah. In the stars. Yeah. yeah. But she had, she had environmental allergies um, early, very early before we were, many people were even aware that that could be a thing, but she was aware that, you know, the air quality was making her sick and that there were, and it was, you know, I think she probably felt a little crazy back in the day and people treated her as such. And now of course we come to learn that yes, you can get sick from bad air and, you know, chemicals. It's all leaching. real. It's all yeah. real. Yes. So we moved there because the air quality. Yep. Clean beach air. Yeah. Yeah. So who started acting first? Yeah, I guess, I guess Rob, since he was uh, already interested in it. Yeah. Rob. Well, you know, it, it was interesting because I, Rob started, um, Rob started acting, I think when he was about 13 or 14 professionally. And it was, you know, just to show you how anti-stage mom our mom was he had said look i want to be an actor i'm going to try to do this professionally and they said my mom said okay fine you want to do that find an agent and get yourself to auditions so uh, he, he would take the he would take the bus into hollywood as a 13 year old um, and go in for these commercial auditions and take a you know polaroid back in the day sign your name and off you went back back to malibu that wow. is dedication. I mean, and such yeah. tough love. Your mom is like, okay, if you want to do it, you're putting in the work. I'm not yeah. dropping my life. It's so much better everyone. though than the stage mom who's like, you're, we got three auditions today. Get yourself ready and dress you. You know, if, if, you, if your mom was like, you guys want this, you go get it. That's yeah, the best. And, well, then even when he, then when he booked us, uh, he booked his first job. He needed a chaperone because he was a minor. Right. He needed someone who could drive him there and be his chaperone. And he, uh, my mom interviewed two people to be the chaperone. She certainly wasn't driving to the set every day. Right. And um, <laughs> she's got things to do. She, yeah, she was got two other kids to raise. Yeah. I mean, right. you know, that, that's the challenge. Um, she, uh, so she met with uh, this one guy who ended up Clark Shattuck his name great name ended up winning the job over another guy named sean penn who had uh met to be rob's to drive oh my god that's a crazy story no. sean penn interviewed your with your mom <laughs> to be rob's chaperone on a set that's that's that the er, that's the legend i think i'm 99.9 percent sure it's true although um, I'd have to ask Sean if he probably doesn't remember that anyway. My mom's but not if, around if anymore. He had I can't ended up, if he had ended up with that job and the two of them showed up on the set and Sean's like, yeah, I'm his guardian. I'm, I'm in charge of this kid. <laughs> oh, that would have been classic. I know it would have been really, I mean, it's just would have been too much. So, um, yeah. And then, and then, um, so I, so Char- Charlie and I, I'm trying to think. So Sean obviously was starting to act and I think was interested obviously. And I don't know Sean all that well. He was always this mythological older, you know, brother that was around. I knew Chris quite well. Um, and, and then there was Sean and there was Chris and there was also Michael Penn who oh, was the always, musician. Yes. 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 So exactly. talented. Yeah. 
Yeah. Who's married to Amy Mann. Oh, wow. I know. So I nice. think people never put that, that together. Oh, right? I did. I, 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 no, Amy, yeah. I, no, I know. I oh, feel not, like that's no, not Amy. I knew Michael Penn was a Penn brother. Right, right. So um, he talk about the 90s. I mean, geez, Michael Penn was like, I mean, he was that was massive. he was like massive, uh, but he was always in his room playing music. So I never saw Michael. Um, but but um, Charlie and I and Chris, we were not all that interested in, in being actors. Um, and certainly I think Charlie and I were going to play professional baseball. That was the dream. Um, and so I remember then Rob and Emilio would hang out and talk about the auditions they had and what the jobs they were going to do. And Charlie and I would, you know, be in his room and we'd be like, yeah, I can't believe this guys are actors. We're not going to be actors. It's such a stupid thing. Like we're going to be baseball players. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Like we were going to show them and be professional baseball players. And, um, I'll never forget one day. I, we were sitting there and, and Charlie goes, you know what? I'm thinking I might want to be an actor. And I little did he know I'd, I'd also been looking and getting an agent oh, stop. and auditioning as well. Yeah. <laughs> Very quietly, discreetly. Yeah. Discreetly. And I was like, you know what? I'm thinking about it too. You know, like, I, I don't know. Like, I think I might want to be an actor, but not like they're doing it. Right. So I was going to do it my way, which was, you know, I... Charlie's dad, Martin, had talked to me about acting. And this is a long story, and I will not go into the to detail. But we had, it involves him driving me to meet Charlie at a David Bowie concert at Anaheim Stadium because Martin was going to meet with David to talk about doing something together. And I was just a David Bowie fan, and Charlie said, have my dad's going to drive you there. So from Point Doom to Anaheim Stadium, where the show was, is about a four-and-a-half-hour drive in traffic. I got maybe one or two words in and Martin regaled me with stories about the public theater in New York City and what it means to be an actor and how, you know, you, it's a, you're a student of life and you're an observer of life and it's oh a beautiful way to God. live. And as this is the guy I've seen in, in Apocalypse Now, like one of my favorite movies, one of my heroes. And I'm like, OK. And he turns to me, he goes, you're an actor. Wow. wow. That's a good way to start a career with. One of the greatest telling you that you should do this. Martin Sheen tells you you're an actor. You're probably an actor. <laughs> oh, my Amazing. gosh. Were you, ha- I mean, for that car ride, was the entire car ride, were you in the th- car just saying to yourself, like, this is the greatest moment for me? Or or did he over talk you? Four and a half hours. <laughs> well, I mean, look, I, I adore and love Martin, but he'd be the first, uh, you know, to admit that he's, uh, a, he always says, I'm just a windbag. <laughs> he, he just is, he just like will not stop talking um, and telling stories, which is great. But I think as a 14 year old, I was probably like, this is really weird. My friend's dad is, I'm stuck in the car with him. You know, like, yeah. you know, yeah. when you were like a kid and like a parent would give you a ride and it was like, uh, it one was of your awkward. friend's parents it was it awkward was awkward. Yeah, awkward totally like what do we talk about like this is so weird but it, it, it well it um, seems like he took that pressure off of you <laughs> you didn't have to worry about <laughs> exactly. how to con- converse and but, gave I mean, you the stamp of approval to go into acting he certainly did he certainly did I mean, you know, when when you're on a set or you 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 meet you you're with or you're lucky enough to hear uh an uh a more experienced older uh, actor or even person in general give you stories. I, I, I've always been, I knew that was like good stuff. You know, that those were like gems. Martin, she, you must have known like 
Martin's seen it all and I'm sitting here getting the benefit of it. Well, it also kind of helped my trajectory because what I couldn't kind of come to terms with was following in, in an older brother's footsteps. Like, oh, yeah. That's yep. a- age old. Yep. Yeah. Like, how can I do this my way? You know, how Absolutely. can I like distinguish myself? Um, and so I, and I think from that conversation with Martin, I was like, you know what? I'll let him be the teen idol. You know, I'll let him be like the like the 16 magazine pinup boy. I'm going to be the serious actor. Right, right. <laughs> I'm going to New York and I'm going to study at the, you know, do right. play at the public theater. And so I did. And when I was, uh, I think, 19, I moved to New York. I've been back and forth to New York on so many different occasions in my life where I've lived for a while and I've come back to L.A. But I went there specifically to study with a, an acting coach there. And, you know, be a serious New York actor um, and do theater. And, you know, I did a couple off-Broadway plays and then I went broke as one does. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? It's a lot sunnier and nicer in Los Angeles. <laughs> I can, you know, I can go home for a sandwich if I need to and get my laundry done. I don't have to go to the, you know, laundrette down the street. Um, there's air, con- I don't need air conditioning, although... Uh, my air conditioning had broken in the summer in New York. And I remember thinking, this is it. I got to go back to LA. Um, so I went back and forth quite a bit trying to be the serious, quote unquote, actor. And how old were you at this point? Were you 18? Were you like, you know, early 19, 20, yeah, 19, yeah. 20 like 19, just out of high school and, you yeah, know, figuring like, it out? And not going to college, which right. is interesting because I do, you know, I, people always say, like, I don't regret anything. I have a couple of regrets in my life. And one of them is not going to college. Um, but, um, I, you know, I was just in such a hurry to grow up and I mean, there, you know, they, you take the SATs, right. That's you take the SATs. My grades weren't great. I was never really applying myself and my SATs were horrendous. And I'm like hanging out at the sheens, like smoking pot and trying to pick up girls, like to come to the pool. Like it's like, and, and reading scripts that my brother and Emilio are, are like offers for like a lot of money to go do these movies. I'm like, I don't know. Do I want to go back and study the SATs to try and get my scores up and then go to college? Or do I want to live like this? <laughs> <laughs> it's enticing. It's hard to yes. motivate out of that. But you you know what? I think everybody should live in New York at one time in their life when they're young. Uh, it's just good for your soul. It gives you this yeah. motivation. And especially, especially studying acting with the teacher you wanted to, doing theater. I mean, that's a great way to start and get out of, you know, the Stonerville in Malibu for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Out of isolation, out of. <laughs> and then you go yeah. back when you're. That yeah. bubble. And so, Christine, when you grow up, you can move out of New York. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know. I was going to no, say. She did her I didn't, time here. She did it. I did my time in L.A., but I did did it the opposite. Like I'm experiencing New York now, you know. Our kids are experiencing New York in that you know uh, young person's way. But I lived in L.A. through those years. I moved to L.A. when I was 19 until I was oh, 40. Right. Yeah, because so I was did. an East Coast girl. I was like, right. that's the place to be. And, you know, David and I both, you know, we why we did are doing this podcast is we did a, a kids show for Nickelodeon together yeah. called Hey Dude. And yeah. neither of us ended up going to college after that show because we were like, well, let's try oh. L.A. Let's go to, you know, David, we started to get work here and there after the show and college ended up, we kept, oh, you so, know. Oh, so you, so we're all, none of us have we're gone to college. We're all, yes, yes. Oh, we we're both, all in the same we, club. We, 
you regret that? Uh, I mean, at the time I didn't, I feel like now as I'm, you know, yeah. I now have a daughter in her third year in college and a son who's looking. Wait, you as, have a daughter in college? Yes, she's 21. <laughs> yes. What? David <laughs> does too. Wait, you either have the best filter ever invented <laughs> or no, you're we're lying. all getting blinder. No, we're all getting I'm I'm old enough to have a 21-year-old. Believe Holy me. Holy moly. Okay. All right, <laughs> David, uh, am, she says so. I'm well covered I, yeah, in that. She department. does, but uh I think you know, we we had I think Christine and I both had gotten into NYU and we deferred for several years, you know. I I was wow. going to go to the Tisch school, but then it was like I can learn uh while I'm doing this professionally or I could go take four years off and but NYU is I gotta say my son who's a senior in high school right now I think NYU was the most sought after school from all his high school I mean the kids California kids want to go to New York yes, they're like fascinated the, the, the with, Cali kids do want to yeah. be in the city <laughs> it's true so my 14 year old wants to go she already has it planned out she actually for Christmas she said I want an NYU sweatshirt that was one of the things she's already got it planned out. She's going oh, to wow. NYU. And, you know, like I'm able, here's the thing about regret, I think, is, you know, I, I'm able now to impart some of that wisdom, the hard-earned wisdom on my children. And it's, I'm not forcing them. It's not like you will go to college, but it's, it's more like, look, here's a mistake I made in my life, I feel, which was I was in a real hurry to grow up. Um, and I wished in hindsight, I had taken time to at least explore going to college. So I'm, you know, it's, it's definitely very much in the forefront of our conversations with her, but she's only 14, but still she's starting to get in. No, it's coming. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's coming it'll up. be here before we know it. Yep. So, and yeah. she wants to, and you know, she, she wants to act and she well, has an I've agent. Got, I've got, oh, I, see, I know we, I've got. Two. The twenty-one-year-old oh is fin- just finished her third year at Juilliard and has oh, is already started. Juilliard. Yeah. Good. <laughs> yes. How do you like that? I, I have to give a little yes, but she ha- she's also that that person who's like one giant foot out the door there, and is like if if anything comes along, and I'm like you're so close now, you're so close. You have like basically yeah. next year. You know why not? This is the period right. of time to graduate you, from Juilliard? to graduate. Yeah, but she's okay. she said it since day one. I mean, she started in the pandemic. There were no, you know, it was not like she was. Wow. There were auditions or anything, but she's just starting, just starting the uh, self tapes, all of it. You know, the new world of what we're in. But she's at Juilliard. I know. Yeah, the, she's the, got Ben to and I, 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 we can't believe it, and we are so proud. And it, she did it all on her own. And she, I mean, I've never seen somebody have so many monologues coming out of their mouth, <laughs> to, you know, for these auditions. <laughs> you had to have like four oh. contemporary, th- three Shakespeare, uh, pre nineteen twenty. But like, she had this repertoire that uh, it, she was. She just really wanted it. She wanted it from a very young age. Um, mm. Well, that's so, very, that is very impressive. So congratulations. Thank you. It's thank amazing you. when your kids uh, surprisingly impress you, right? With their work and their talent. <laughs> and she gets herself into Juilliard. You know, we've all, it, it's just, it's, it's the best thing in life. Uh, amazing. Chad, so let's go back. Uh, so it seems like you did a movie with Charlie Sheen. So a TV movie called Silence of the Heart. Yeah, that was like jumping too far. But you guys decide, yeah. yo, we don't want to play baseball. We're maybe going to do this. And you end no. up in a movie together. It was that yeah. easy, right? 
Yeah, it was just like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you manifested it together. Dude, I want to act. Let's do a TV movie. <laughs> Let's just do it. Um, yeah, no, the, the, well, the, I mean, there were a lot of, you know, auditions and a lot of, you know, not getting the parts before we got to that place. And I was working as a, you know, had a, a, a job after school to make money once I, you know, could start to drive when I was, well, was I driving then? No, I just wanted money. So I had a, <laughs> I had a, a little job after school at a pharmacy, um, you know, and, and kind of like cleaning up and boxing thing and putting price tags on all the items. And so I had that job after school, but I was also auditioning and I got a couple of things after a while of auditioning. And then a few years later, uh, so we already have both established that we're going to act and, um, I, um, yeah, I was, I remember going in, I, I feel like I, I went in to the audition and he was sitting there amongst all the other actors. And, you know, back in the day, they'd, <laughs> you know, they'd pair you up, right. Cause it was to play best friends. Of course. Of course. They'd, they'd pair you up. And I remember they were like, and it was Steve Tisch, uh, you know, the owner of the giants now, yep. <laughs> uh, the, the, yes, a Super Bowl uh, winner and an Oscar winning producer. <laughs> He was producing, it was Tish, Tish Avnet Company, who is, um, I, I'm not sure if they had done Risky Business yet or not, but uh, prolific producers. So it was, you know, it's kind of a, it was a prestigious movie of the week. In fact, I often hear people talk about how impactful it was because it was about uh, teenage suicide. Whoa. And yeah, wow. it was heavy. It was heavy. Um, and so we uh, went in and read together. And I think it was like, I remember looking at Steve and him, Steve Tish, kind of like shaking his head, like this, like you guys are best friends in real life. Like, like let's, this is we're gonna not going to beat let's, this. We're not going to yeah, beat not this gonna chemistry. Beat, right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, we did, we did that together, and and that, I mean, I would that geez, that was it was a few years ago. It was probably 1984, I think. Yeah, 1984 is what my notes say, but. No, oh, good. Just, my memory's mm-hmm. not getting good. that old. There, I still got a little <laughs> bit of memory left. Well, you know how old you were at the time, but I mean, it's just so cool that you had this community of friends and a, and a brother who were all. It just like seems like a magical time. Um, and then you and Rob did. I, our producers just came on and told us that you had you did Oxford Blues, like a small part of that. Oh. Where is that producer? I'm going to find them. There, yeah, that's a, <laughs> yeah, that's Lorraine, a, that's right a, up there. Lorraine, that's not real. How, that's not real. No, she's actually, she's a sleuth. She found it. That's true. <laughs> no, um, <clears throat> well done, Lorraine. Nice job, Lorraine. <laughs> yes. No, I, um, while I, you know, I just started acting and was, uh, you know, like I'm going to be an actor and I was, I, I hadn't really done anything yet, I think. And Rob had done this movie, um, from uh called um um oxford blues and they had shot it over in england and then come back and i think the director as the story goes was going to show showed the film to the studio and they were upset that there was a scene missing that i think the director felt he didn't need and he said oh oh, no we shot that scene i'll just cut it in and show it to you but apparently they hadn't shot the scene so i got a like call on a friday night can you play your brother's like, can you be in this movie? I don't even know what the role was, but it was like, I helped him get into Oxford with it. I was like a computer nerd or something. And I, I mean, it was like happened at the guy's house over the week. It was so the most professional, unprofessional, strange <laughs> acting job ever. I had no idea secret. what I was it doing. It was a secret. And it was, <laughs> yeah, it was like, oh, it's, with your bro. it's with your bro. It's like so yeah. cool. 
Yeah. So we, we, that was actually the first, the first time that we had ever worked together. And then obviously, I mean, not obviously, but we, we actually acted together recently on his show Lone Star on 911 Lone Star. We had right. never really acted together and, uh, and not because we didn't want to, or, you know, you kind of seek that out, but it just, the opportunity never arose. So we got a call. I got a call from the creator of, of 911 Lone Star, Tim Manier. And he said, I have a crazy idea. Are you still acting? And I was like, you know, like when they'll let me, of course I'm still acting. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's just not often, but I, yes. Um, and I had been directing on Lone Star. I've been directing for a while now, but um, so he said, do you want to play your brother's brother? <laughs> It's so random. And I, and I, I feel like you're right for it. <laughs> you, you might be perfect. Yeah. You know what? So uh, my, I think my first instinct was to ask, I said, well, what does Rob think? Like, you know, I, of course I do that, but does he know? And he said, don't call him yet. Don't let him know. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to call him now and pitch it to him. So clearly I got approved to play Rob's brother by Rob. By, Rob. by your brother. Oh God. If you got a call back saying you know it's not going to work <laughs> yeah. your next call would be it yeah. starts the family fight the oh family it need, breaks down yeah. i need to see him read for it he needs to oh, come God. in and i need to do a chemistry read <laughs> <laughs> see if you guys work well together just to mess with you he should have done it no totally totally so we did that and that was that was actually really it was incredible uh to have that opportunity and that was I want to say that was last season. And then this season, Tim called and said, I think I'm going to give your character a terminal illness. And I was like, really? Do you really have to do that? Because I'm enjoying <laughs> acting. And I feel like this, there's more story to tell. It's like a good news. You're coming back to the show. Bad <laughs> news is you're going to die. We're killing you. <laughs> yes, basically. So I'm not, this is not a spoiler or anything. I mean, if you haven't seen, if you're watching Lone Star and you're waiting to binge it, then plug your ears. But it just aired, the, the finale for this season just aired and my character is, has, has died. So uh, well, I won't be acting on Lone Star with Rob anytime soon. I don't think unless there's a flashback. It would always be a flashback. No, but it's great. That's what true. a great experience. But talk about playing characters with, uh, you know, illness. Let's talk about Life mm -hmm. Goes On because that was what, early 90s. Christine and I both, uh, I, I had to read my notes to remember that I had done a, a, a bit, a small part on there. And Christine Wait, you did. were on Life Goes On? We both did uh, well, separate yeah, episodes. One episode, but Christine you worked were, with you. You were in the scene that I was in. And I said, you were not going to remember it because Wait. it was like my first <laughs> Maybe job. he will. Maybe no, he will. No, you may remember the scene because I remember the scene. Oh, my God. And it was an acting class. You're like, don't, you don't remember we had that whole makeout scene? You don't remember no. I was your girlfriend? I'm like, <laughs> oh, you'd, you'd remember <laughs> no. that. Oh, I no. remember that. No, no, no. I would remember <laughs> that for sure. We, 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 it was an acting class. And by the way, got the job because I had become friendly with Kelly Martin at a Nickelodeon event that we oh like God. a bunch of like a teen Nickelodeon event. So Kelly asked myself and Lindsay Price, who yes. three, we, we both yeah. came on no, no. to do this group scene that it was an acting class where we're all throwing a ball to each other, doing an acting exercise. And Kelly got her friends the gig. We didn't have to audition. I was, I think, God. 19 years old. My first, I think it was one of my first jobs after the maybe Blossom, David, and then life goes on. Um, but oh, it was, and but yeah, I got to work with you. And I remember being so excited and I, I, I loved it. <laughs> it was so cool. Uh, wow. I was such a fan of the show and I was just um, loved it. 
And you were wonderful. Yeah, you were it was amazing. a great show. You were generous show. and sweet and felt you were so nice to all of us. Really? And that that's my memory. Yeah. Okay. Okay, good. Good, good, good. That's good to hear. Um, well, it could have I, been acting, but it was, it worked. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I was, no, you know, you know how it is. You know, we're all, we're always so like, you know, I don't know about everybody, but I certainly am always so insecure, you know, like, especially then, you know, I had so many insecurities and I was always feeling like they were going to come and remove my SAG card at any minute. And, and, you know, I'd be we talk about out. that. We, yeah, I was, the, I was the same way it. every day. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that I at least had the presence of mind. I wasn't so self-involved that I was actually able to, to acknowledge there were other people there, you know, cause usually I was always so in my own head. So wait, David, so you, what did you do? Did we, did, we didn't make out, right? <laughs> you, you definitely remember that. You would remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I would remember that. Uh, no, it was like, you know, I when I moved to L.A., I had I just did a bunch of these guest spots, Roseanne and Life Goes On and uh, Full wow. House. You know, you do, you make the rounds of these shows. I, I it, it must have been like a, a one scene thing with Kelly because we had been we've been friends since way back then. But your character, I mean, that that show was filled with talent. I mean, from Patty Lapone, uh Bill, right, who played played the dad. I mean, just incredibly talented writers, and they give you this yeah. character. And at the time, right, the early '90s, AIDS was HIV was a big freaking deal. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, you know, I don't remember seeing that on a, a network TV show before then. But you, you know, tell us that experience because you end up winning an Emmy Award for for playing a, a character living with HIV in the early '90s. Yeah. And as you guys both know, it's like, we're only as good as the material that we get, right? I mean, we can try to elevate it as much as we can, but it was just, I was so fortunate to have, as you mentioned, so many talented writers and a story that was so important to the entire writing staff and the creator, Michael Braverman of the show. Um, And so I, I was just had the good fortune of being cast in that role. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be too self-deprecating, but it, you know, it, it it does take great writing and it does take, you know, directors who are committed and actors who are committed and, and doing something that's really important and we knew was important and something that had not been done, as you mentioned, which was having a series regular on a show who was living with HIV as opposed to dying of AIDS. Right. Well, right. Magic and, and, Johnson, and a young kid, you know, you yeah. were not you. It wasn't an older person. It was some. Right. it was a it was you. I don't know how old you were playing, but it was you were young. High, and, high school. High school. That's what I thought. Oh so it God. was a, so you did, a high schooler. How did your character get HIV through, through a transfusion or something? Well, you know, that was they, they kept it vague. Um, they always kept it vague. And they. I, I think look, mainly because. The blessing, one of the blessings of of life goes on's time slot, which was a curse, was we were opposite sixty minutes, which was the juggernaut at the time that was always number Sunday one. Sunday night, yeah. Sunday mm-hmm. night, you know, like appointment television, and it was like number one every week. By and the way, we I were, think that's also Ben the Ben Stiller show for the season it was on was also in that time opposite, slot. Was it? Oh my god! So. It- they, you beat them as well because they were always dead last. <laughs> but Ben's audience was not going to ever watch 60 Minutes. It was not the Life minutes. Goes On audience, uh, but And but also still. like Ben Stiller's like on that time slot. I don't, that, that somehow doesn't, there was a miss there big time. Uh, 
but yeah, so we were opposite 60 Minutes and they kind of left us alone. And I've learned this, you know, later as I'm friends with some of the, still friends with some of the writers, and some of the, the directors and the producers. And, but um, they uh, basically left the show alone because they were like, look, you, you're the respectable ratings. You've got a loyal uh, fan base. And so kind of do what you want. And the writers had met with a, uh, a young man who, had HIV and was living with HIV. And so they based the character off this man, this young man. And so um, they, uh, in fact, there was a story that they were pitching this idea to the network and the network at first was like, nah, this, we don't, this sounds a little heavy. And there was this impassioned speech from the writers about why this was so important and why we needed to show this and to help educate and let people know, you know, look, it's not a death sentence and that people are living with this. And so, yeah, I mean, it was, it was really, it was, it was very profound to be a part of something that had such a big social kind of impact, if you will. Um, and you know, what, what's amazing about it now is Kelly and I, it all comes back to Kelly Martin. Kelly and Always. I have been the sweetest. Have been, yes. She's best. So Kelly and I have remained friends and um, oh, about four years ago, I was doing a guest spot on her Haley Dean mysteries for Hallmark that she did. And so we had never worked together again. And so she called me and said, do you want to come up and do this guest spot? I said, yes, absolutely. And while we were doing it, uh, we both kind of sat down and said, you know, we've got to figure out a way to get Life Goes On rebooted because it's, you know, we live in the day and age of rebooting shows. And I said to her, you know, look, if any show should be rebooted, it's Life Goes On, because Life Goes On was so brave, unflinching, looked at the hard issues and, and subjects. I mean, it was, it was a show that was based around living with a, a family living with a son who had Down syndrome. Right. And Which has so only become said, more, more prevalent today. I mean, now everyone knows yeah, kids who are dealing someone. with it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, you know, we're also, we're also, you know, and we're also, you know, I think culturally and socially, we're just realizing how important representation is and people be, being able to see themselves, you know, represented on in, in, in the media and in the shows that they watch and the movies that they watch. And so I said, you know, let, let's, I think I've got a, a way back into life goes on. And so Kelly and I sat down together and met over a few weeks and we came up with a pitch for rebooting life goes on Amazing. and long, so long story short um we it's we we, we sold it to nbc right nice we, we have a yeah so we have a writer and nk carol her name is nk carol and she is uh created all american on the cw and uh, a new Fantastic. show called, yeah a new show called found which will be on nbc this fall which is great about missing and exploited people of color basically who aren't getting the attention that they need when they're missing um and it's a really profound show beautifully acted really well executed and it's on nbc i think 10 o'clock i don't know which night though but it's coming out found look for it and so she is the writer of life goes on uh nk carol and so we are waiting while this writer strike happens oh, for, gosh. Yeah, yeah. for NBC to, to let us know what, you know, what their plans are for it. And, you know, we're, we're obviously very hopeful that it will uh, at least get picked up and we'll get to make a pilot. Did of it she finish writing the pilot or she's, she did. She's oh, okay. finished. So yeah. that's good news. Yeah. So the pilot is done. This has been you know, almost four years in the making, you know, I'm it's sure. Like, oh yeah. I'm sure. We know. <laughs> 
you know, did, you guys. Did, know. Yeah. did you talk to? Did you guys just? Did you go to the rest of the cast and see who might be interested, or did you guys just say we're going to do this and then see? I think it was a, a combination of things. It was really just it, it, the the genesis of it was, you know, people always say if you're going to pitch something or you're going to write something, it's like why this, why now, and why me, or why us. Mm, mm-hmm. So we we kind of answered those questions and then came up with a structure for what, you know, what Becca Thatcher, what her life would look like today. And, and Chris Burke, who played Corky is, is doing really well and is available and, and we amazing. Fantastic. Wow. What a call yeah. for him to get, like just even yeah. the opportunity to maybe go back and play that character. And he's just such a, he's such an incredible spirit. And so, you know, we're, we're hope, hopefully optimistic, but also realists about, you know, the business and how tough this business can be. And uh, so, you know, I'm, I, we all have our fingers crossed. I keep saying to Kelly, trust the process, trust the process, because it's been almost four years, but we're in a very good place right now. And um, we'll see, we'll see what the future holds for it. Wow. That's terrific. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, Sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. 
and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just to go into your 90s, uh, you know, creds, Melrose Place, a whole yeah. character arc on that. What was that like? Cause that show was uh, pretty much right in the center of the zeitgeist, right? In the nineties. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. It was, it was a lot of big hair and makeup and <laughs> <laughs> good looking people though. Yes. Yes, exactly. It, um, that was uh, interesting, you know, to, to go from a show like life goes on where you're really, uh, you know, you're, you're, you know, that you're making a difference. They know that you're telling a very important story and, and socially making, you know, educating. And it's just, I mean, that's the best. I mean, that's why I think a lot of There's us. There's nothing us, better, nothing right? better. Right. And yeah, when you're, you're telling stories and you know that they're having a really positive effect to me, doing Melrose place was about entertainment. You know, it's like, Oh, let's not take ourselves too seriously because at the end of the <laughs> right. day, really what we're doing is we're giving people escapism and we're, you know, like, and that's I, I, meaningful as well. Yeah. To give people totally. an hour just to like tune out their whatever they're worrying about and just enjoy yep. the the fun of Melrose Place. That's important as well. No, absolutely. And I always I, I always remind myself that you know, like sometimes it's like, look, if, if that's what I can, because, you know, I have friends like we all do who some are doctors and you know, some are heart surgeons, <laughs> you know, some are teachers, <laughs> right. people, real pe- people doing real things, making real, real differences in life. Right. Yeah, they're not, yeah. Dra- they're not wearing makeup and uh, <laughs> wardrobe. Yeah. And they're not, and they're not being compensated up, you know, really, I mean, especially I think of the teachers who I, you know, just value so much. And like, oh. they're, they're not getting the credit. They're not getting the covers of the magazines. They're not getting paid. And it's right. like, you know, here, here I am, you know, putting on makeup, as you say, and having wardrobe and somebody's choosing for me what to wear and show up and get a coffee and a donut and then say some lines and get paid really, really well for it. And I'm like, but there is value. There is value in that, that, like you said, we give them, you know, give people 45 minutes, an hour, whatever, half hour of escape. 
of laughter, of entertainment. And, and yes. that's valuable. You know, there, there, like, I don't think it's as valuable as like being an ER doctor or, you know, a heart <laughs> surgeon or a teacher, but still there is value to what we yes. do. There's value. That's a, a yes. good segue. Speaking of ER, what was, <laughs> yes. I mean, you did a, a, yeah. a, a nice arc on that show as well. The year later, how, how I mean, the, what an amazing show that was. That was so impactful. That was, and I was so nervous doing that. And you know that that show was was famous, obviously, as you guys know, for these these wonners we call them. Exactly. Big coming in on the, coming in on the <laughs> through the door did, and through the ER, and you did felt either it. of you did either of you do any no. ER? No, but I, I, whenever I was working on the Warner Brothers lot, I think I did uh, <laughs> some Veronica closets and stuff like uh-huh, that. Sure. And, right. and and the ER guys were they were right next door, and it, so it was like an exciting time to be on the Warner Brothers lot. And ER yeah. and and Friends were there, and right? Friends. It was like yeah. the the epicenter yep. of the hottest shows, and so it must have been amazing to do to be thrust into that universe. And then you had George Clooney with the basketball playing, you know, basketball yeah, outside right. of his trailer on the lot. <laughs> yeah. So when I got this, it's interesting because I, I went in an audition for this role and I just thought there's I, the dialogue was so hard to remember because it was all this technical jargon. Right. And I almost had like a nervous breakdown going in. I just almost didn't go in to read for it. And finally, I, I went in, I read for it, and I, you know, lo and behold, I got the part. And, that, and then, of course, my first day was the end. I was at the end. My character walked in at the end of one of those two or three minute steady cam oh, no. wanners. And, and like, <laughs> I'll never forget, like, being oh my on, God. So if you, you mess know, up, the oh, entire the whole thing that, is blown. Yeah, oh my God. Back to that's... one, back to <laughs> one, they go. Oh. And it's like, yeah. So, and, you know, like you mentioned, it's it, it, there was an energy on that on that lot and to be on that stage. And, you know, that was the, the hottest show of, you know, at the time. And I um and I'm sitting there like in the wings waiting to make my entrance. And they're starting way the heck at the very back of the soundstage, you know, and I can hear them, you know, getting ready to start the scene. They're like, all right, all right, everybody quiet down, quiet down. And OK, rolling. And and I and George Clooney at the top of his lungs yells hey low (laughs) (laughs) was a gift oh thank god he recognized he knew yeah the panic that that was building right just yeah and and that i was a guest you know and as a guest star i mean we've all look we've i sound like we've all been guest stars on a lot of shows being a guest star is no easy feat because you go in everybody's a family and loosey-goosey and you're so nervous and scared and trying to do your best and god forbid you forget a line and he just kind of put me at ease with that because i felt like he's recognizing the pressure i'm under as a guest star at the end of this two minute walk and talk with all this technical jargon that if like you said if i mess this up (laughs) we're all going a hundred people are going to have to do it all over oh he diffused it he diffused it so many people say that about clooney that he's yeah. just like he's so lighthearted on uh, you know, as talented as he is, but uh, yep. uh, yeah. Before we leave the '90s work, we need to discuss Highway to Hell. Oh, <laughs> because wow. what was that? That was Ben Stiller's first part One in a, a movie. No, way. Way. yeah, I think he said he. I I, I wanted to get information. <laughs> By the way, Lorraine, our super sleuth, did not pick up on the fact that Ben oh, was in the highway us. to hell. <laughs> <laughs> wow! But I texted him to say, "Do you have any good highway to hell stories?" And he just said, "Best 
like the most fun because it was like his first was it was a TV movie, right? It 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 was. Yes. 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 And he yes. had so much. He just said Biltmore oh. Hotel. <laughs> and oh. He just has these memories of it was on not that long ago. We caught some of it with. Uh, Did you? Yes. Wait, yes. That was. And, that was his first. Yes. Wait. No. What year is ninety one? It says 91. here ninety one. Ninety. Maybe first he. Well, ninety one. No, because he did do he. That's not true. It's not his first movie. Maybe TV no. movie. TV movies might have been what he meant. TV movie. Oh. Or maybe you filmed it in ninety. It came out in ninety one. No, because yeah. he had done eighties work. He'd done like yeah, you know, you know fresh horses and yeah. you know oh Stella God. and fresh. those. <laughs> Stella, <laughs> he did Simple his ja- Simple Jack. <laughs> Simple Jack. <laughs> Simple Jack. Way back when. Um, he yes. wasn't no, Ben Stiller must, at he that He must point. have meant TV. His is for oh, his yes. TV movie. Yes. Oh, yes. I adore him. Oh man, no, he sends his love. Send love right back to him. Yes. Yeah. No, and he and his, uh, you know, his sister and his. Parents were in it was, it was the whole family. It was the whole family. And they play crazy. I remember his parents play crazy characters towards the end of the movie, I think. Right. They all do. Don't it they? was it was that was the craziest movie ever. And, you know, I'll tell you that here, there's so many crazy stories about that. <laughs> but that there um, this this movie was written by um, a, a writer named Brian, Brian Helgon, who went on to win the Oscar for L.A. Confidential. Oh, so wow. like what? Yeah. So his next movie is L.A. Confidential. And if you look it up, Brian Helgen will will say the worst experience and the worst experience of his career and the worst movie he's ever made is Highway to Hell. <laughs> now, I don't blame Brian. Uh, exactly. It was the script was great with one of those scripts. You know, it's one of those things where you get the, the job right and you show up and um, and and everybody like you like. After you've got the, the offer, you're going out to the, you're at the gym, you're out, and people are like, dude, I heard you got that role, man. Congratulations. Man, I wanted that so bad. Like, I felt like this was the beginning of my movie career. It's like, oh, this is gonna, this is gonna launch me, this movie. And there's a producer who I won't mention her, her name, who I think single-handedly ruined the movie. First and foremost was hiring the director who barely spoke English. God bless him. But, you know, when you're trying to do a movie that tonal, that's tricky tonally mm-hmm. and you hire somebody who, you know, isn't perhaps, to, you know, English isn't really their first language. Like, I'm not sure they really understood tonally what the movie was. A great, you know, great guy, a guy named Atta de Jong, uh, mm-hmm. Dutch, I want to say, great, loved working with him, had done some really great movies. He did, like, Drop Dead Fred. And, mm-hmm. and if you look oh, him yeah. up, he did, he did a bunch of really good movies. I just don't think this was the right movie for him. I don't think he was the right director for this movie. Um, and then I'll never forget. So it was Christy Swanson and me mm-hmm. um, starring in this. I mean, we play this couple, right? That 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 goes to, she gets abducted by the devil and I have to go back to hell to, to get her back <laughs> to and get make her. a deal, to make a deal with the devil. And, you know, and it was, it was really actually sounds stupid. But it was actually really clever, cleverly written. It's Brian Helgen, and um, so uh, I'll never forget them saying in the negotiations, saying, uh, "You, uh, they're not going to give you more than third bill." And I was like, "Wait, what?" And they're like, "You're going to get, you know, it's starring blah 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 Chad Lowe, Christy Swanson." And I'm like, "Wow, that that seems really weird." I mean, every 
frame of the movie and Christy is too. Like, where's Christy? Like, well, Christy's going to get fourth bill. I was like, I'm sorry, who's first and who's second bill? And they're like, well, they don't know yet. But they're, they're, <laughs> oh, the, you're the they're, they're building they're, behind they're two people. That, room, yeah. They're leaving room for, <laughs> so as, a, as a bargaining chip for like, one was the, the rumor was that the producer was friends with Mick Jagger. So Mick Jagger was going to be in the movie. What role he was going to play, I have no idea. Oh, but you got to concede top billing to Mick Jagger. I don't care if he's in, walking in the background, right? Fair enough. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. But that would be a little weird if you're like a Mick Jagger film and he's like in the background. Like, where was <laughs> he walks by one scene, right? Like, was he in the movie? So anyway, long story short. I remember saying like, well, I'm not going to pass on this movie over billing. It's who cares, right? Like right. the works, the works, the work. And um, so she ended up, it, there was a, a, what was the actor's name? Um, he was a, he was a really good actor, really good actor. He had just been in uh, the movie with Julia Roberts. And I'm now I'm having a senior moment. Um, uh, uh, I have to forget it. He's an Irish actor. Anyway, he gets top billing, which is great. He's, mm-hmm. He plays the devil. He's great. Um, and then uh, uh, one of her, this producer's clients, who she's also a manager. Oh, boy. Get, get second billing. And we're like, okay, he's in like four frames. What What is happening? Oh. So it was oh, like, gosh. it was one of those things where it just went downhill from there. The special effects weren't as special. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> as they should be. The gently mo- put, very gently put. Yes, exactly. The money was not, let me just tell you, the money was not on screen. Yeah. Yeah. And so if somebody's going to do that with the billing, I'm just wondering what they did with, with the budget. And so it, it was, a, it's a bit of a disappointment, not a bit, it was a huge disappointment at the time because I was like, I thought this was my kind of calling card to, you know, like movie stardom. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I got to work with Ben. <laughs> exactly, yeah. and exactly. the whole Stiller family. The whole, I know the, exactly. Yes, the whole and Stiller ben family still has this like s- softness around that movie. Like it, when it, I swear to you, it came on. I want to say like sometime last year, where he's like, "Kids, ki- come on, come and watch oh. this. Come and watch this." <laughs> and you know, out of context, when you're watching like the last 15 minutes of the movie, and it really was the end, and the kids are like what is this movie that we've never heard of? And I quickly your, hit record. I think we still have it I on think, the DVR. I think he plays like a short order cook or something like that yeah, in like, some diner in hell. This is yes, really exactly. crazy. Slash oh my God. Pla- Play-Doh or something. Yeah. It's so like when your some... kids say, I don't think this holds up, Ben could say, no, 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 it didn't work back then. <laughs> it, it does. Exactly. Now it, never it held works. <laughs> but I think, you know, there. I've gotten some things on Instagram and, and Twitter where people are like, it, it's kind of a cult classic in a weird way right. you know what one of the, it was one of the it was the first time i ever worked with um cgi elements and the guy who did the cgi is a guy named randy cook who went and moved to new zealand and the next time i saw him he was accepting the academy award for uh lord of the rings oh so wow they had a lot of good and that's what i'm telling you there was right, like so I mean, the, the screenwriter from la confidential that lord of, i mean this is a, a talented group yeah, and what I, you know, everybody listen, has I, to start somewhere. Is that the moral of the story? I, you know, yeah, there's another Chad Lowe. There's <laughs> another way to look at this, which is maybe I ruined the movie. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, 
There's no, not, if you not had possible. had top billing, you would have shown up very differently. To yeah, that exactly. Set, right? You know, yeah. when, when it, when it wasn't a success, I'm like, hey, that's not my movie. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I'm fourth bill in this thing. I'm not even in it. Oh, so man. It happens for a reason. You, oh, you played fine. John Denver in the John I Denver did. story? Yeah, I mean, I can I, see, like, honestly... I, you look like a young John Denver, but I mean, what a, that guy was amazing. What was that like? Um, again, this is all leading to why I direct now because I, (laughs) I want to be more involved. I can't like put myself, you know, like we put ourselves out there, right? I mean, it's so hard to put yourself out there in something and then, and see others not kind of step up. Um, Right. Putting it and, in someone else's hands and then it gets it, it, the whole it's you don't get to then see it again until the it until it comes out. Right. Or until you go in to do some, record, you know, it's right. it's out of your control. Yeah. You're it, in control. You have one tiny you're a cog in a, a huge machine. And I think that's why, like, sometimes people think that actors are, quote unquote, can be difficult. But, you know, really, once you've said yes to something, you don't have the, 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 the most power you have is saying no to a job. Like, right. That's the most power you have. Yep, so when you say yes no. to something, you kind of say yes to everything and you right. can suggest and you can try to help, you know, elevate things. But at the end of the day, you're not hiring the art director or the director or the, you know, the s- people that are really the editor, the, any the editor, editor, right? Exactly. And you're not getting final cut and blah, blah, blah. Um, so I, I, with, with, um, with that, I, I knew I was in trouble. Not that it wasn't fine. It was fine, but I knew I was in trouble when I went to go get, I have, my eyes are kind of green, blue. You can see. Mm-hmm, okay. mm-hmm. <laughs> so um i um so i went i needed to get my john denver's eyes are brown oh. so i took it upon myself to go get brown contact lenses and the director said why what is this on the schedule you're going to an optometrist what is this and i was like well i'm going to get fitted for brown contact lenses because john's eyes are brown and mine are this color and he's like oh god why are you doing that nobody cares they just want to hear the music oh wow yeah i would know i would i would that would be a red flag a director doing a biopic who's not concerned about the accuracy of even you know well you just wanted it just wanted to hear the people just want to hear the music and the other was um um the the wig situation which (laughs) uh was was a you know took a little bit of putting my foot down and saying like no you know, like this is not going to fly on my head. Right. <laughs> not wearing this like. <laughs> like it was scroll. not a well made wig. It was they did not put, you know, you know, you know, the difference between a gorgeous, well made wig and. <laughs> and, the, and apparently. And a mop. You've seen it. <laughs> a mop top. You see it when it works and you're like, that was beautiful. And and when you when it doesn't, it takes you completely out of the character in the movie. And it's it's expensive. I think you have to commit to to really spending the money on it. And so um, the producers were great and really, you know, like really supportive and great. And, and, you know, it was, it was fine. At the end of the day, it was fine. Again, I just think I had higher aspirations for it. Did you Um, sing for it? Did you do the vocals and play guitar? No, (laughs) you don't have, okay. You don't (laughs) don't have to hear anything. (laughs) Those are big shoes to fill, right? Cause I mean, yeah, but I'll tell you what I came away with was, you know, like John Denver was a really, really complicated guy. And, and, and he was, um, 
complicated and extremely gifted. Like I tried to learn some of his chord progressions for what he plays. And everybody's like, look, it looks easy and it sounds simple, but this guy was like a virtuoso on the guitar. And from, I don't know if you guys ever got to work with him. Did you guys ever work with John Denver? No, just a fan of of his music. Yeah. yeah. Apparently people who knew him would say if he was, cause he did some acting, he needed like the John Denver special and all this. He would sit in the steps of his trailers with his guitar and just basically take requests and play whatever people wanted to hear. And he was a really, I, he was a more complicated, that, that, that was always my challenge with that is he was a much more complicated guy than I think that they wanted to portray. Uh, cause I think it was a, it was a bit of a vanity piece. They wanted to show, you know, play his music and the best, right. Mm-hmm. The best parts of his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Kristen Davis was in it. She was great. We had a good time working together. She played Annie and she was super, she was great to work with and really good in it. And, but I just think there was a lot more complexity there that we could have explored. I think in this day and age, we might be able to do that. Right. Um, but I think back in the 90s, it was, it was more like, let's show a movie about John That's Denver. so true. People wouldn't probably accept a fluffy version of someone's uh, right. biopic. They'd, right. they'd, call, they'd be called out immediately. Like his eyes aren't brown and they don't show the darker side but right that's the yep. difference between the 90s and now right i mean things were it just feel good in the 90s yeah there w- <laughs> w- it was it was there definitely was but you could see it was all leading to this moment <laughs> it was all leading <laughs> the build well, the what slow a great build. way to uh finish with the you know an ode to the 90s and the feel good decade but Dude, thank you so much for being here with us. What a great quick hour oh, that went by yes, fast. Yes, this flew by. It was such a treat to have you. Oh, well, thank you so much. I, you guys, I'm I'm I I am so happy I got to do this. And and I have to, a confession, Christine, which is it dawned on me as you were talking that we've met a couple of times. And I was <laughs> we, like, we, it, we as we were talking, I was like, we met, and then I put the connection together, how we met and where we met. I'm like, oh my God. This, oh my God, I'm such an idiot. Of course we no, met. Yeah, we met. We, yeah, well, we did meet when we did that scene together. But we that met, was the we first met through Carol. Well, no, that through- he doesn't remember. <laughs> yes, that, no, that, but, but the event, the event in uh, Carrie, with, Car- with Carrie. Exactly. And, we, and a number of different events. Ben and, so and I it, came in com- Culver City. I remember it. I mean, I remember oh. the event. Exactly. Yes. And you, we had such a lovely conversation with you and your wife and yeah, hung no, out. No, it all, was a great comeback thing to be a part of so we no we love you we are you know Aww. ben was so excited he's like you got chad let's yes I, I, I didn't help. realize oh i did not realize that you guys had kids that age yeah i just didn't realize i just was like <laughs> blowing my mind <laughs> we're getting it old blows our minds too well you're you're getting you're getting close i mean you know you're you 14, yeah, 14. to me it's like you said is a blink and then it's 18 and then it's, yeah but i have a seven-year-old and a 10-year-old so right. i'm still on the other end of the scale there it's yep. like you know it keeps you young it does right it definitely yeah, totally. keeps, yeah. It, it, it definitely keeps keeps you young and keeps things in perspective the best kind of perspective the, the best. best oh totally well good luck with the life goes on reboot yeah it's very exciting and and good luck with all the directing i mean you really have Thanks. reinvented yourself and kept a, a, a career with amazing longevity and we're just huge fans and Aww. so happy to have you here yes thank you and, and keep on acting keep on acting yeah <laughs> from 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 your lips to, to god's exactly. ears as they say I mean, yes. now, yeah. that phone will ring it will I ring. Know. we none of us ever stop acting it's Right, exactly. It's a silly question. We go back to the conversation that I had with Martin Sheen, which is 
acting is about the way you live your life. It's about observing character. It's about having an open heart. And it's really, truly, I'm, and that to sound pretentious, but he sold me on the life of an actor. And it's been the greatest life I could have ever imagined. And it has paid dividends well beyond my college degree I didn't get. See, exactly. So, so true. You no appreciate, regrets, yeah. All, it, even if there's the, a little regret, no re, no big regrets, right? That's yes. amazing. All right. Thank you, Take Chad. Take care. Tell Ben I said hi. And I will. To see you guys. I will. So much love. See you around. What a sweet guy. So sweet. And those stories of moving to Point Doom. I mean, those stories are sort of circulated around how the epic, you know, when when Rob and Emilio got the outsiders right. and there's a lot of behind the scenes footage of them all. But yeah, I read Rob's autobiography. Same, same. Did you read that? It, yeah, it's oh, great. The best. I mean, the best. It's like I devoured it. But but talk about like, yeah, a, a group in a time, in a place. Yeah. It's special. That's like. And to the, hear Chad's version of it and his decision right. and like being in his big brother's shadow and any younger sibling knows what that feels like, whether it's a big older brother or sister. Um, but. That story to me of that Martin Sheen car ride. Amazing. A four hour car ride with him just inspiring and, him to and become to an actor. And to have that guy say, you know, you're an actor. <laughs> you're an actor. I mean, that was pretty amazing. That could, yeah, that could change the uh, trajectory of one's life. Yeah. Which it did. Yeah. And look, he said he's, it was the greatest car ride and, and, and pep talk he ever got. And he doesn't yeah. regret a thing. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and that, I love I love his he just, you know, he's been in the business for decades as we have been. And he just still loves to work. Like he said, when he got the call of, yeah, I like to act when people ask me yeah, to you still act. <laughs> I never stopped. But I know. I know. I get that. I've gotten that a lot, like having kids and you're not working. Right. But it's sort of like, hey, I thought you I thought you retired. I was like, no, I just right. well, did when another you go part in, of my life. If you go have kids or you go and direct something or you yes. go host a podcast, people are like, oh, maybe maybe they're they that's don't what act they do anymore. Now. They're yeah, just, I, yeah. So anyway, we're we're put David and I. That's our that's our reminder to the world. We're still acting. Yeah, we still do it. <laughs> we still got the chops. We're we're multi hyphenates. <laughs> we're actor slash podcast host. <laughs> David slash director slash 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 hyphenate hyphenate. Um, come back next week. We've got another great guest. We're not going to say he she who I, I, yeah, what I will, where I won't how give anything away but uh um and then, and then we the are off week, to austin. austin yes yeah. so we will um we've got a couple of great guests lined up and and uh we can't wait to uh have you all come back thank you so much for listening everybody christine so great to see you again good to see you and see i you can't soon. wait to see you in person in like <laughs> oh, a, in, we get a some week in person time all right sweetie have a great week Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and give us five stars. And please follow us on Instagram at HeyDudeThe90sCalled. See you next time. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.
Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.